I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. 32 teams in 32 days. Breaking it down for you team by team for the entire 2021 NFL season. As always, I am Neil Smith, joined as always by Mr. Steve Bonham. Hello there. Uh, and as always, everything we're going to talk about here today is referencing 12 point P- is based on 12 point PPR. And uh, we'll be referencing our own collateral as well as the Fantasy Pros ECR. Check us out at importantnonsense.com and also at importantnonsense.com slash Patreon. If you like what you hear, help us keep the lights on. Steve, oh, and uh, we are ref- we we are recording this on July thirty first. So if anything we sounds dated, check yep. out the wrap up show. Good to note. Yep. Yeah, uh, check out the wrap up show uh, where we will be updating anything that may happen between when we record this and before the season kicks off. But today we are doing probably historically my favorite show every year, the Denver Broncos breakdown. I can't wait. It's this this is where we really get to kind of talk about all the things that matter, all the Aaron Rodgers rumors, all the all the KJ Hamler updates. Uh, can Albert O make the roster? Oh, it's going to be great. But we also get to talk about probably one of your favorite topics of the offseason here when we get to wide receiver. Um, yeah. So let's just let's kick this off the way that we always do, though, with with quarterback. And this is this is normally we get to just rip, Ooh, whip through to? this. I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> We're going to. Uh, so in the offseason. We referenced it in the Carolina Panthers show. Right. <laughs> uh, the Carolina Panthers made a peculiar decision the night before the draft to go ahead and ship Teddy Bridgewater out and acquire Sam Darnold, thinking they would never be able to get a quarterback. And we took a moment to laugh at how that panned out. So what that, that triggers, though, is that now in Denver, you've got Drew Locke still on the team, still returning, still theoretically the starter. But now, in true Broncos fashion, we talk about this every year. What do the Broncos do? They draft the quarterback. The quarterback doesn't pan out the way that they want, typically because of lack of opportunities. They then go get an aging veteran to come in and compete the quarterback, said quarterback, to motivate them. The veteran plays better. The veteran starts. The veteran gets hurt. The the underprepared drafted quarterback then comes in and struggles. And then this whole cycle repeats again on a four-year loop. We've been talking about this for years. This is just what the Denver Broncos do. Right now, it's Drew Locke and now Teddy Bridgewater as we sit here and read through camp reports. So we can't actually sit here on the 31st of July and tell you who the starting quarterback is for sure. I can tell you that based on everything that I read and can get information on and see, right now, Drew Locke is ahead of Teddy Bridgewater by a little bit in terms of being able to be the starter for week one. He's been looking really good in camp. He appears to have cleaned up some of the kind of erratic throws that that uh, have plagued him throughout his career to this point. And we will see if that translates to actual meaningful football. I don't think even the Broncos know who their starting quarterback will be. They keep referencing themselves that the preseason games are going to be the main deciding factor. Which so is always a good sign. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, by the way, that's hashtag that's so Broncos um, because we've heard I this mean, before. I think more than anything, though, 
You mentioned before, like normally we can breeze through QB. I think we kind of can here too, because whether it's Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, even if you had a full season of one of those guys, I wouldn't care. It doesn't matter. Not even in a super flex league do I care about either one of these guys. That's fair, because they come in right at the bottom of actual fantasy-relevant quarterback for a reason, for just yeah. about every rankings outlet, including ourselves. So, so. I think we can kind of just gl- pass this horrible thing that is the QB situation in Denver, and then we can kind of just keep referencing back to it as we go through and talk about the different positions. And just... I don't know. What do you think is a better segue here since we've already talked about the the quarterbacks go into the pass catchers? Let's just let's just go. We usually go right into what matters. Right. And I think what matters, I think what matters here is the wide receiver room for Denver. Right. We'll talk about running back. There is some things that matter there, but let's talk about wide receiver and let's just get right into it. Let's just talk about let's go. Let's just whip through the room and then we can kind of go through. We've got returning from injury, Mr. Cortland Sutton. Darling of importantnonsense.com historically. Yes. Uh, we have the re- we have Jerry Judy going into his second year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, we'll see if that's able to uh, to kind of take the next step forward. And then it gets kind of muddy. You've got <laughs> you've got KJ Hamler, who right now, while healthy, appears to be their down the field, like kind of field stretcher. That's that's they want KJ Hamler out there. That is that as long as he's healthy, that's who they want. They drafted him. They believe in him, and that, I believe, is if, if it works out for them, that's what they're going to attempt to do. They also still have uh, fantasy breakout player Tim Patrick from last yep. year who ascended into actual useful fantasy territory for the first time in his career. He is still on the team. And so if anything was to happen to any of these guys, he would be immediately in line to go right back out on the field. But beyond that, it starts to get it starts to get kind of cloudy right there's nothing else really on the team there's seth williams but you don't really care so there's not a whole lot beyond kind of those like like that handful of names that that you really need to know about is there anybody else you'd want to reference there because i think no, we've set the table. No, that's it okay yeah. so beyond that it's a, this is where we get into an interesting conversation around how the fantasy community views things and certain players versus how we we do here so we love Cortland Sutton, and this year will be no different. All right. Mm-hmm. So that, let's just get that addressed right now here on Front Street. But what's very interesting to me, Steve, is much like the conversation we had, what would be in people's world yesterday, around around some of the uh, the 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 conversation around Amari Cooper. Like, did he die? Mm-hmm. Like, is he gone? Is he not on the team anymore? That's how I feel about Cortland Sutton, as related to every single thing that I read. People are just yeah. disrespecting Cortland Sutton in their, in their rankings. So, and that's, what's interesting to me too, is like, he's coming back from a, a bad injury. We get that. And now the reports in camp are that maybe he's still having some, some rust. Uh, it, it could take him a little bit longer to adapt, but I remember at this point last year, uh, granted, we were trying to give drew lock the benefit of the doubt, I believe. But at this point last year, across the entire fantasy community, remember, the debate was, would you rather have Cortland Sutton or Chris Godwin? Who is the better breakout candidate to be that top 20 wide receiver? And they threw DJ Moore into that mix. Like, he was in that same ilk. 
to be a top 20 wide receiver locked in, even with Jerry Judy, adding another wide receiver to the room was just going to help him, allow him to get open in coverage easier, and be a good thing for Cortland Sutton's production. Here we are a year later, and granted, again, the injury, but you're dealing with the same QB we were talking about last year, and you've now mixed in Teddy Bridgewater. So it's either the same situation he had or Teddy Bridgewater. Whether you think that's an improvement or not, I would have to think he'd beat out Locke in order for him to become the starter, but who knows. Regardless, currently in the ECR, Cortland Sutton is being ranked at wide receiver 29. So somehow, one year removed from being top 20 locked in, in fact, top 15, he was going around wide receiver 14 in the middle of the summer, he has now fallen all the way to almost out of the top 30. Jerry Judy is now at wide receiver 34 in the ECR. And in terms of ADP, Cortland Sutton is going at 31, Jerry Judy at 35. So people are scared of the quarterback situation, which is completely understandable. But from my own perspective, this is another case where Cortland Sutton projects out to be a top 20 wide receiver. He should be the number one. They should be throwing the ball enough that he's going to have decent fantasy value. And I have no problem putting him into that tier three of wide receivers where it's pick your poison. This is my wide receiver too. And I'm good with it. Like he's got so much upside that I am fine having Cortland Sutton as my wide receiver too. But in many of the drafts we've been doing to this point, I'm getting him as my wide receiver three or four. It's ridiculous. And I I'm right along the same lines. Cause I have Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 26. And if he didn't have the quarterback situation mm-hmm. he had, he'd be higher. Right. But this is why he's at 26. I'm not scared of the injury. The man seems hyper motivated. If you just yeah. take a moment to look at his social media presence, he is locked in on making this happen because I think he's one of these wide receivers who feel like he's been disrespected for a good chunk of his career. And then the injury now I think is going to motivate him to get, to get right back into form and to get out there. But I'm, I'm with you. If I can have Cortland Sutton, especially in some of these drafts we're doing as my third wide receiver. Oh, I love my life. My life is great. Like for me, he is the top end of wide receiver three. And the only reason why he was, he's there is because if he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, as we talked about in the background on the site for weeks, yeah. He would go way up. He would go immediately up. That's the thing, too. Like, even when you look on underdog, when we've been doing these best ball drafts, Cortland Sutton is going at wide receiver 31, Jerry Judy at wide receiver 33. This isn't like the Cowboys where you had CeeDee Lamb jumping Amari Cooper, and now that's what's pushing Cooper down. They're just both falling for no apparent reason. Like, if I could get either guy, that's fine. In my rankings, in my personal uh, wide receiver stuff here, I've got Jerry Judy in that mid-tier at 38. But again, he's in that tier six of guys I mentioned last episode or a couple ago where it's Darnell Mooney, Bateman, Chenault. It's all those guys that have that upside that could be the best wide receiver on their roster, and I will throw that dart, but I'm not willing to overpay for it. And right now, he's right in line in that ADP where I can snatch him up and feel all right about it. But I, that, I mean, basically getting shares of Cortland Sutton everywhere. 
And that's why I wanted to drive the conversation that way, because I don't think Jerry Judy is that much really of a talking point. I would be fine getting Jerry Judy at 38, even 35, potentially. That would be fine. He's in that he's in that tier. And I would be happy to do that. But that's relatively what the price point is right now. But if you're telling me that I can get Cortland Sutton at around the same price point, then for me, that's what I'm going to do. So it's I'm I'm still in on the Cortland Sutton train. It sounds like you are as well. But both are potential values in uh, in actual drafts right now, which is kind of shocking to me because the Broncos very quietly, Steve, in my opinion, have actually assembled quite the skill position room. Yeah, if they could get a quarterback and with the defense constructed the way that it is, that team could actually compete. It could be a borderline playoff team if they had like a real quarterback. So it's it's interesting to see that given that belief and and that being like more or less a real football belief, how it isn't translating to fantasy football, because beyond Sutton and Jerry Judy, there's nothing else really to talk about. We, we went through the room. There's there's some names to know. I would know who KJ Hamler is and I would know who Tim Patrick is, but I wouldn't draft either. I would just know who they are. Yeah, exactly. And beyond that, that's really it. You're 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 talking about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy as far as pass catchers, and they're both values right now, which is kind of shocking. I think the hate train has gone a little bit too far. I think people are really, really focused on that quarterback problem, and there's going to be value there for you if that's going to be how this plays out. the The other uh, pass catchers, you know, you still have you have Noah Fant coming back, and you know. He's right in that tight end, like seven ish territory, basically, because you kind of know what you're going to get with Noah Fan. He's my tight end eight in my personal rankings, and he's in that that tier of of tight ends where it's like, oh, I missed out on the big three. If I can get a value on one of these guys, then I'll take it. And otherwise, I'm just completely punting the position and waiting until the end of the draft to fill out my room. So, do you, are you expecting anything different from Noah Fan? Um, no, yeah, it's we're in line. We're in line there. That's the easy yeah. way to say it. Like I said, it's just after you get out of the top three, it's dart throw territory. Yeah, and there's really not much to talk about, right? It's it's Noah Fan will be fine for what it is. Just don't overpay for it. The backup to him is is who they refer to as Albert O because his last name is incredibly hard to pronounce. Um, and they he he if he can stay healthy is somebody the Broncos like quite a bit, but I don't know that it'll translate to actual fantasy production. And so then at that point, you know, we met, we referenced the defense, uh, the defense should be good. They're in that territory, I believe for probably both of us, where if you can get them at a value they're they're in that outside the top 10 who could finish inside the top 10 territory. So I wouldn't overpay for it, but based on their personnel, they should be pretty good. Yeah. They're right now they're going 14 and ADP. I would, I would hesitate on them slightly just because of their division. Well, yeah, they have to play the Chiefs twice. So you have yeah, to you play the Chiefs plan. twice. You have the you play the Chargers twice. They have a relatively easy schedule. Other than that, that's, that's why it's somewhat. They, they more fall in line with the perfect streaming type option than they do a, a defense that I really think can be consistent for me week in week out. That's fair. You just got to hope that somebody doesn't try to take them and hold two defenses and use them as a rotation. Because, but if you do like to play like that, that would be a good one to rotate. Yeah. have two, get the Broncos and somebody else and just flip flop them. I, right. I prefer to stream, but I do know people who play like that. But even like, even then they're, they're currently going, as I said, at 14, they're outside of that top 10. They open the season, the first three weeks with the giants, the Jaguars and the jets. So if you want to take the Broncos in the back end and just go with those three weeks. And then when they get to Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Washington, Dallas, just dump yeah. them dump at them. that point. Yeah. yeah. Then 
Get three useful weeks and start planning ahead for who you're going to play after that. Dump it and then stream, and then they'll probably be available for you in all likelihood to pick back up when that part of the yeah. schedule wraps up and it gets a little easier. But yeah. Uh, and then Brandon McManus is uh, certainly, we don't talk about kicker much, but Brandon McManus would be interesting, uh, theoretically speaking, because mm -hmm. he's got a huge leg and he's always interesting kind of every huge. year. And they should be able, right. and you're kicking at altitude here in Denver. So it's a, uh, it helps. So there's, there's that. I, I would be uh, fine with Brandon McManus, but you know, frankly, he's not really like, I'm not overly over the moon on it. Yeah. Again, so it's really, a kicker. Don't overpay. Exactly. And so really there's only one thing left to talk about and that's running back. Yep. And this is an interesting conversation because I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't think people are reading the situation exactly right. So this is the one, the one area we didn't talk about when we laid out the team in the front end here. So during the draft, the Broncos went ahead and drafted Javante Williams out of UNC to come in and kind of muddy up the waters here. So they still have Melvin Gordon. This is the last year of Melvin Gordon, but they went out and added some depth to that room. Philip Lindsay is now gone. He is playing in Houston. And uh, as a show, we love Philip Lindsay and I wish him all the best things, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's definitely not going to look like that in Denver anymore. So he's gone. And then Royce Freeman is still there to the extent that anyone cares. And I would argue that for fantasy purposes, you shouldn't. Right. It's really the conversation around Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. And, you know, I see a lot of people on the internet who seem very, very, very sure that Javante Williams is going to walk in that door and immediately destroy what's left of Melvin Gordon and take over this job very quickly. And they are willing to pay for that. And I, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but that scares me. <laughs> And I he, do not feel that way. <laughs> yeah. So he's got three down back upside. Yes. Is the thing with he him. did it in college. He was good right. at it. He was actually good at everything in college. To go back to our, we talked right. about him in the in the in the draft room. He was actually good at just about everything in college. The only thing he wasn't good at was uh, sprinting out and then having to stop for a moment and then re regaining his speed and hitting the hole. That's like the one thing he can't do. But yeah. he's an amazing north south runner as far as like just bulldozing people and bouncing off them and hitting the hole on the, on the, on like a zone read type of thing. He's great at that. So it's a, it's a good pick by the Broncos. Yeah. And we talked about the fact that Melvin Gordon uh, has a lot of money left on that contract. They cannot just cut him, but we'll get to in a few episodes here, probably next week sometime, uh, the Rams situation where Melvin Gordon is one of those guys that potentially could be traded, shipped off, to be the new Rams starting running back. But that's all speculation at this point. Again, we're recording this on July 31st, so we have no idea if Melvin Gordon is even still on the team when you're listening to this. But as of now, he is the starter. He has been the best back in training camp. They believe he is the clear-cut number one guy on the team. I think he's a three-down back. They will work in Javante Williams at some point just to try to get him touches. I know he was an early second round pick. Jack believes that Javante Williams is at least the third down back to start the year and then has a shot to take over more than that as we go through. But again, by the time we get to the middle of the season, I could absolutely see a, a, a point where Javante Williams overtakes him. I could see Javante Williams becoming the starter. In fact, in our projections, I have Javante Williams out touching Melvin Gordon by the end of the year. 
It's just a matter of how soon does it get there and how much would you have to pay right now to invest? Because realistically, I believe if you spend a draft pick on Javante Williams, you're spending a draft pick on six to eight weeks of virtually nothing of a non-usable piece sitting on your bench while you wait for him to take over the job from Gordon. And the only way that that really changes, and that'll drastically change our rankings and probably ADP as well, is if that trade happens and Melvin Gordon's no longer there. Right. And so I want to talk about for a moment, Steve, the relative ADPs, right? Let's go through that exercise with, with, with everyone here, because, you know, a lot of, uh, for me personally, I have it to the tune of Melvin Gordon because you talked about the, when do you think the change will occur? How do you think that that type of thing will happen? And so for right now, we have to kind of go with the idea that Melvin Gordon will not be traded and he will be the guy. in Denver Yeah. based on all the camp reports that I have seen and all the beat writers that I read and follow. And this is hours of looking into this. Everybody who's at camp right now, this week is saying Melvin Gordon is the RB one mm-hmm. or the Broncos. And so for me, I have Melvin Gordon at RB 22. Based on that news, I might bump him up a spot or two. I'm bullish on Melvin Gordon relative yeah. to where I see him going in drafts. And I've got Javante Williams in my personal rankings at 35. Javante Williams will play. He will have a role. But he is not going to walk in the door and surplant Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon is playing for another contract at the yeah. end of this season. He is well, going to I mean, be realistically, both. at this age, he's playing for his career. Right? right, exactly. He's trying to prove at some point that he can do this. And from everything I've been reading, he's aware that that this is an important year for him and that he is going to be, he's hyper-motivated. He looks great in camp. So I don't think it's going to be that easy for Javante Williams to walk in and and do it. Because just like Javante Williams has three-down back potential, we've seen Melvin Gordon be a three-down back. Yeah, When he's right and he's motivated and he's not fighting with ownership and healthy, he is an elite-level running back. So for me, RB22, I think it's like a steal. I love it if he's my RB2 on my team. And I've gotten some pushback on that idea from other people on the internet and also in the industry that they are ready, Jack, to go ahead and say, oh, Melvin Gordon, meh, meh. Javante Williams, you know, go ahead and draft away. Go ahead and pay up for it because he's yeah. going to kick kick dirt on Melvin Gordon's grave. And I don't believe that's the case. I think Melvin Gordon won't be there next year. So for this conversation for 2022, Javante Williams absolutely is going to be a conversation for 2022. But for this season, I think it's the Melvin Gordon show one last time. And I'm if I can get him at RB2 level, I'm willing to do it. And so far from how all the drafts I've been doing have gone, I can get Melvin Gordon as my third running back. That's right. been my experience. And if I can do that, I am going to. I yep. am absolutely going to be doing that early and often uh, at that price. It's, it is too much of a value to leave it there. And I would temper my expectations for Javante Williams. So... That's how I read the room. It sounds like it sounds like you're largely in line with what I'm my my logic train. Yeah, right now current ECR, uh, Javante Williams is RB twenty seven, and Melvin Gordon is RB twenty nine. And I know you had Gordon at twenty two. Did you? I don't know if you mentioned where you have Williams. How I did thirty five. I did thirty five. Okay. Thirty five. Yes. All right. So yes. Um. So twenty seven and twenty nine in the ECR with Williams on top. In ADP, Javante Williams, RB25, Melvin Gordon, RB26. And that's, again, across multiple websites and platforms. And using our guys over fantasy, again, use promo code nonsense 
haven't thrown that in there in a while. There you go. <laughs> Promo code nonsense on underdog fantasy. Uh, Javante Williams is RB 23. Again, you're shooting for upside. It is best sure, ball. Sure. Melvin Gordon is RB 39. That's and that's that's a travesty. That's a travesty. And it's best ball. So even when he loses the job, you're it doesn't matter. It's best ball. You have something else. So you can get Melvin Gordon in the back end of your draft for virtually nothing and have a solidified RB2. Now, me in my own personal rankings, I have Gordon at 24 and Williams at 29. So I'm closer to the ECR, but I still do believe that it is the Melvin Gordon show until we know otherwise. Let's play devil's advocate, though. Let's oh, wow. say Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon is uh, is gone. Let's say he gets traded, whether it's to the Rams, the Falcons, whoever. Let's say he's gone. And it's just Javante Williams, Royce Freeman, and Mike Boone. Where do you rank Javante Williams at that point? Javante Williams goes up to 22. He takes his spot? Yeah, he goes up to about the 22 level. He's, he might even go a couple spots higher because at that point, you're kind of having, he, he might even go to 21 in my rankings because at that point, you're talking about Daryl Henderson. So it gets into where does the trade occur and how does yeah, that work? Yeah, well, that's fair. Well, so to me, to I think it ends up putting, well, like I said, I feel like there's enough value for both guys to be top 30. I don't think Royce Freeman or Mike Boone are good enough to steal away the touches from Javante Williams. If I don't he, think they, they really matter. Mike Boone, I think, would be the actual backup yeah. in that scenario in Denver. He would be the backup, and he kind of matters, kind of. But mostly it would be if they're going to ride Williams, I would think, and just see what the guy has. Yeah, I would, I would liken this to last year with Leonard Fournette. When Fournette was there, he had one year left with the Jaguars, and then they were going to ride it out. They were going to let him play the season out and his contract out. And then they saw what they had in James Robinson. And he impressed them so much that they decided it was worth it to just let Fournette go. If Javante Williams plays well enough that they say, oh, we're going to give him the ball and let him go and then get rid of Gordon. To me, that puts Williams right there in the conversation with Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs near the top 15. Okay, sure. And I could see that. That's why I'm saying I'd have to go through it case by case because mm-hmm. he would end up in a situation where he would be competing, at, I'd say, with Josh Jacobs at 17 in my yes. rankings. He'd be yep. competing in that neighborhood. I would rather have Mount- Montgomery, but I think I would rather right have there Montgomery. with Jacobs. And I'd rather and have Carson. Yeah. I'd, rather have, I'd rather have Carson, and I'd rather have Montgomery, and I'd rather have Antonio Gibson, but I would rather have Javante Williams over Clyde Edwards Hilaire or Travis Etienne or Miles Gaskin. Yeah, or so, or do, or any of that. I'd rather any yeah. of that. I'd rather do that. So no, that that's about where he would go. So that's one side of the ball. Where Melvin Gordon would go would depend on landing spot, obviously. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's scenario- not the part I'm concerned about right now. Because we don't know. But we're just talking about Broncos running backs. If there was no Melvin Gordon, where would Williams be? He'd be around twenty. He'd be in the right. eighteen to twenty range. 17, 18 to twenty. And I think that's where you go. Not only do I feel like that's right, but I think that's an important thing to note here is so you're literally we're we're both agreeing we're saying the best case scenario here is melvin gordon is gone javante williams has the entire job to himself competing only with mike boone and he I'm moves not up Royce Freeman. and he moves up six spots yeah from well, where for, his current ADP for me it's is. for me it's more but yeah for his no no ADP, i'm saying yeah. from his current adp he moves up six spots in our rankings Oh, so yeah. you are basically drafting Javante Williams at his ceiling right now, 
which to me is never a good idea. Whereas you can have Melvin Gordon free. Yep. And that's what I'm doing. I've got Melvin Gordon even higher than you. And I've got Javante Williams even lower because I just don't trust this. And I don't want to pay anywhere near. I basically am saying, if you're following my advice in my rankings, you will not roster Javante Williams likely at all in in 2021. And you will own a lot of shares in Melvin Gordon. And I think that is correct. I think that... Uh is right now you can get him outside the top 24, and I feel like he's a back that you would basically be getting in the top 24. Whereas with Williams, you're taking him at RB25. You're talking about taking a guy at the highest point of RB3. You have to have two solidified RB2s, and then you're taking a guy who may not even play meaningful snaps for the first six weeks of the season as your primary flex slash backup running back. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't justify it. So I think we're, we're in agreement here. Cause yeah, the absolute ceiling for Javante Williams is 20. So taking him at 25 is kind of pointless, right? If that's exactly. the amount of upside that's there, you, you're better off waiting, which is why I have it ranked the, the way that I do. And it sounds like you do as well. You're Slightly more in line with the ECR, but I think both of us are giving functionally the same advice. Melvin Gordon is the guy that you want to target in Denver. If he gets traded, we'll talk about it when we either get to wherever he gets traded to, or we'll talk about it in the wrap-up show. But for now, that's really the only way I think that we can really, really coach people on how to how to avoid it. I'm looking forward to owning a lot of shares in Melvin Gordon in my yeah, leagues this year. Much. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fantastic experience. So, but really outside of that, there isn't too much more to cover out here in the Mile High City as it relates to the Broncos. So what we'll do is we'll go ahead and uh, break it here and we will join you all tomorrow to talk about, <laughs> to talk about probably what is the most, well, it might be one of the most entertaining shows because I think we're going to have to vamp or something because we're going to sit you've down. you've got five minutes, join us for the Lions show tomorrow. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!